The views and opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of this station, JVC Broadcasting Management, or its sponsors. Uh, good to be with you all, ladies and gentlemen, here on this Saturday. Jay Oliver here, Ask the Medical Experts, each and every week. The focus on the uh, great uh, hospital there, the PBMC, the County Bay Medical Center out in Riverhead, one of the best. And uh, certainly uh, the experts involved, and we got a great one today. We focus in on uh, all areas, and as far as the, uh, the experts, uh, they do a great job, including... Uh, our good friend, Dr. Uh, Agostino Savone. We've known him a long, long time and uh, makes another appearance on the program. Always great having him. Uh, general surgeon, of course, over at the PBMC. Doc, it's been a while, but it's great having you back. Yeah, good to be back, Jay. Still here. Um, you know, the white hairs keep coming out, but uh, still here. <laughs> uh, full disclosure, Doc uh, helped me off the ledge a couple of years ago <laughs> with uh, uh, an inguinal hernia I had. And I was a little nervous and never went under the knife before. But uh, uh, Dr. Savone uh, calmed the nerves, and I got through it in fine fashion. I can't even thank you enough for that. Uh, great having you. Let's get into a couple of things. Uh, Doc, you specialize in general surgery. So let's kind of reacquaint the audience with that. Uh, what surgeries fall under that type of umbrella now? Go ahead, my friend. Yeah, you know, historically, general surgeons were surgeons, and they would do everything from bones to soft tissue to whatever else that kind of approached them. Um, but currently, general surgery is basically soft tissue, and most of which, uh, you know, some of the minor stuff that we do in the office, perhaps, is the lumps and bumps, lipomas, sebaceous cysts, things like that. But... Uh, probably where we get more involved with things as a general surgeon uh, is in the abdomen. Um, so uh, no bones about it, no orthopedics uh, for me. It's all about soft tissue and um, anything inside of the abdomen. So whether it's uh, hernia, which is a dominant part of my practice, yeah. uh, gallbladders, intestines, colon, stomach, what have you, um, is kind of what most general surgeons do as well as uh, trauma. So trauma has become a specialty in its own, and um, again, it's pretty much the general surgeon and trauma specialist that is uh, kind of taking over that realm. Interesting. How do surgeons like yourself, Doc, uh, anesthetists, uh, uh, perioperative staff at PBMC, how do they provide that that individualized and, and that response? You know, the patient experience, very important. I remember when I did it, uh, underwent the surgery. Very important, the response before and after the surgery. How's that done? Yeah, so it's a team effort. I mean, basically, you're kind of involving various different uh, people who are at the top of their game. uh, You know, whether it's the nursing staff, the perioperative staff, kind of getting the patient prepared. Anesthesia certainly is intricately involved. You know, I always say thank God for anesthesia because, all the amount of rum and whiskey in the world is probably not going to do the same. Uh, but, yeah, you, and you need you need the expertise of the anesthesiologist, nurse anesthetist in the operating room to kind of keep that patient monitored, make sure that everything is uh, going well in terms of their heart rate, blood pressure, all that sort of stuff. And then in the post-op, uh, you know, certainly in the operating room, there's help in the operating room as well for the surgeon. In terms of assistance, the nursing staff in the operating room are intricately important. 
and then the next team in the post-operative recovery is uh, is a is a is a real uh, well-oiled machine in terms of uh, recovering the patient, making sure that they're doing well and moving on to the next step, whether it's going home or to somewhere in the hospital uh, and stuff. So yeah, it, it involves a whole team of people. Um, and as much as I'll tell patients, uh, don't worry, there's no test on everybody's name, but um, you know, I'm sure there'll be some people that'll stand out more than others. But uh, thanking them is is great, and uh, certainly if there's something there that you recognize could be improved, let us know, and and we're always striving to to do better. Yeah, a team effort without question. Uh, talking with uh, Dr. Doc Stevens Bone, general surgeon, PBMCS medical expert. So, ladies and gentlemen, so hernias. We brought up hernias before. I went uh, through that inguinal hernia. Uh, back in July of uh, 2020, um, the demographics, uh, Doc, I-, I would have to think, uh, I'm not a doctor, nor do I play one on the radio, but I would have to think it's across the board uh, with the age group. Uh, I think uh, I think anybody is prone to get one of these things, whether it be a sports hernia, an inguinal hernia, uh, you know, the, the hernia that is a little above ground which escapes my memory. You can help me on that one. But what about demographics here? Yeah, so, you know, depending on the type of hernia at all, everybody's susceptible to it. And and we also recognize there's a familial trait, which means that the way our bodies are made genetically kind of can sometimes play a role uh, in the incidence of hernia. So you recognize hernias can run in the family. Yeah, my dad had a hernia, my sister had a hernia, my brother, Mm. my mother, whatever. But it's you know, the misconception is that you lift something heavy and that's going to cause you to have a hernia. It can, but it's not likely going to be the only reason for it. Usually there's some uh, weakness that's already there that gets exacerbated by, a, by, a, by uh, an exertion. Um, and, the, and the greatest you know, cause of pressure in the abdomen, which is uh, thought to be part of the reason why that happens, is coughing and sneezing. So if you're yeah. a chronic cougher or chronic sneezing, I mean, that's putting more pressure on your abdominal wall than than lifting cinder blocks or doing jumping jacks or so. But, um, yeah, and then trauma, certainly previous incisions or uh, blunt trauma, like a car accident, stuff like that, can leave the abdominal wall susceptible to uh, hernia. You know, you bring up something that I went through, and I didn't even think of this. I, I think sneezing was the cause for me. I mean, I am an allergy guy. Although I haven't had an attack in a while, and I would sneeze my, you know, I go through these sneezing binges during tree pollen season, like you wouldn't believe. <laughs> but you know, maybe maybe that was uh, the the crux of it. You know, now now it's interesting. Uh, you know, my hernia, the guy went in, sewed it up, and he found another hole down there. Yeah. So, um, you know, do, do you find that sometimes where you know you oh, see yeah. the initial, and then all of a sudden you got to repair a couple other things. Yeah, so, yeah, I mean, down in, in the groin in particular, so most hernias yeah. follow structures that go through and through the abdominal wall. Think of it like pipes going through your foundation in your house. Those holes in the house and those those holes in the abdominal wall can potentially get bigger, and then that leaves you susceptible to a hernia. Um, interestingly, uh, I do all these robotically now, and prior to that was laparoscopically. So you're looking at it from underneath. You're looking at the ceiling of the abdomen, basically, on the inside, and as much as the dominant area where hernias are, there are other potential areas next next to it. And very occasionally, and I would say probably up to 20% of the time, you'll find a hernia on the other side too, or the beginnings of a hernia on the other side, on the opposite side. Hmm. Um, so the, yeah, that's not that's not unusual. It's not unusual. And again, it goes back to probably our genetic makeup more than anything predetermines 
things, and then the sneezing, coughing, and whatever. I, you know, I remember the other the the other hernia, the a little above ground type hernia, is a hiatal hernia. That's what I was thinking. Oh, that's, so you get, yeah, that's, right. So I mean, yeah, is there a more common one? Do you find there there are more hiatal, inguinal, uh, sports in general? What do you repair the most? Yeah, so inguinal hernias are by far the more common type of hernia. They are common. That, okay. uh, that we'll see. Um, more more common in men than in women, but happens in women just as uh, as, as as in men. Uh, so again, it goes against uh, you know you lifting heavy things and what have you as we you know stereotype uh, male and female and what have you. Yeah. Hiatal hernias, however, however, are where the esophagus when you swallow food goes down the esophagus through your chest and into the abdomen through an opening in the diaphragm. And again, it's a structure that goes through and through some barrier that potentially can open. And then the hiatal hernia is where the stomach then slips up into the middle of the chest and is, uh, you know, a good source of chronic reflux, heartburn, coughing, regurgitation of food. And a lot of people go undiagnosed until finally, uh, you know, either a chest X-ray or a CAT scan or an endoscopy kind of figures that. Yeah. Dogs, are anything one could do to prevent is there, you know, maybe strengthening the core? I mean, I don't know. I mean, is there any any prevention involved here? So, you know, unfortunately, it's it's not so much the muscle and building up muscle that's going to prevent it. It's the tendons, the sort of, uh, as muscles uh, uh, attach to whether bones or ligaments, they turn to tendons, and it's the splaying of the tendons or the weakness of the tendons that causes so, so even if you increase your muscle mass, abdominal core exercising, um, that can, uh, you know, disrupt the abdominal wall or rather not really affect the abdominal wall in terms of uh, disruption from a hernia. Um, and so, and and hernias occur uh, not only in uh, obese, but also skinny people as well. So it's across the board. And unfortunately, the only repair is a uh, pretty much a surgical repair once it's there. There you go. Uh, so, you know, listen, a lot of it is genetic. Uh, tendons, uh, great explanations and, and a conversation as well, which we will continue. Uh, Dr. Uh, Augustino Savone, my guest, general surgeon at the uh, the Great Peconic Bay Medical Center. You're listening to Ask the Medical Experts, ladies and gentlemen. We return right after these messages. Jay Oliver here, Ask the Medical Experts. Each and every week, uh, we give you an expert in their field uh, as far as the Peconic Bay Medical Center is concerned. One of the best hospitals, obviously, on the east and all of Long Island. Uh, and under the great umbrella of Northwell Health, uh, talking with Dr. Agustino Savone, general surgeon, expertise, the abdominal area, that means hernias, uh, in which I had one. I had one in July of 2020. You know, it's unbelievable. I remember, Doc, I told you the story. I had it. My surgery was scheduled for the 8th of July, right around there. I got the call 7 o'clock in the morning as I'm packing my bag for the hospital that I tested positive for COVID. COVID was obviously uh, prevalent uh, in that period. And I had to wait three weeks, you know, to get tested again. It was a pain in the neck. 
and man, did it hurt. You know, I had this bulge. The only way I could get it down was put put an ice pack on it. Uh, isn't that unbelievable, though? Talk about that for a sec. Yeah. Contracting a hernia with ice. It works. <laughs> well, it, yeah, you were probably laying back and resting also. And, and uh, <laughs> it's really, you know, gravity and a little bit of uh, relaxation of the abdominal wall can, and a little pressure perhaps yeah. kind of reduce it. But ice, you know, I, you numb everything up, it feels okay. Yeah, it really did. And uh, and lo and behold, <laughs> on the 29th, I was able to get it done. Um, so, in, in essence, let, let's talk about the symptoms. Now, obviously, uh, if you got a lump, a bulge there in that abdominal area, low, lower groin area, uh, you got an issue. Um, symptoms in general, even after that, besides that, we should say, what are they? Yeah, so, you know, and I would say most hernias, people don't really feel pain. You might feel yeah. some sort of irradiation down to the groin, whether male or female. Um, but uh, certainly if you have pain, it's certainly a reason for it. Um, and then um, and then noticing a bulge. I mean, you look down and you kind of see or you kind of feel that, uh, yeah, this side is more lumpy than the other side or and so forth. Uh, and then, you know, if you start hearing bowel sounds in there and you, you figure that you have to hold it in order to, uh, you know, without getting graphic, go to the john, so to speak. Yeah. Um, yeah, these are these are all symptoms that. Uh, yeah. All symptoms. Yeah. Yeah. All play, all play a big role uh, without question. Uh, mine was obvious. I had to get it done. Um, so you have to get it done. I mean, from a surgical sense, it doesn't repair on its own, although I wish it did. You know, uh, you have to go under the knife. I mean, really, that's the only way to fix this, right? Yeah, I mean, it's 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 like a, a flat tire, basically. I make that analogy to patients in the office a lot. And, um, you know, you yep. have a hole in the tire in the inner tube, although yep. most tires don't have inner tubes anymore. Um, the inner tube is kind of bulging outwards. And uh, certainly that's not going to be enough to kind of hold everything in. So you need to put a sort of a patch or a, a repair of the tire or the abdominal wall, the tendons of the abdomen, in order to prevent this uh, from worsening. Because otherwise, it continues to stretch. And at some point, it, 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 the risk of where it, the intestines potentially get in there and strangulate. Uh, well, that's the all thing. Of a sudden, it's an emergency. Yeah. Th that's an excellent point. Now, I try to hide mine. Uh, I played around the golf, and I couldn't do it anymore. I'll never forget it. Uh, just couldn't do it. My wife's a nurse, and I basically had to come yeah. clean here. <laughs> and she knew it right away. But in essence, uh, you know, you can't fool around with that, right? I mean, you, 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 you get the intestines involved, it becomes dicey. You don't want to put yourself in a precarious position uh, of emergency nature. You know, you notice this, folks, just get it done. You know, you got to see a gastro guy, see Dr. Savone, uh, and, uh, and it'll be taken care of. But you can't, you, you can't masquerade something like this, Dr. Yeah, I mean, and most times, just I mean, just like your history kind of says, is that people have had it for a while, and they've been able to manage. But as time goes on, the, the evolution of the hernia continues to get worse, and then you start recognizing, you know, worsening symptoms, you start limiting your activities, maybe it's causing some discomfort. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's important to get it fixed before you run into a problem. No doubt. No doubt about it. Um, now, there's all kinds of Interesting methods, you know, I always took technology and everything else here. Um, but now you have this thing called the Da Vinci Robotic Surgical System. And it has really changed the game as far as surgery is concerned on hernias, right, Doc? 
Yeah, I would say definitely. It, um, uh, you know, as much as minimally invasive surgery, which robotics is part of as well, um, started out as laparoscopy or laparoscopic surgery, and that's basically using a camera inside of the abdomen with long instruments that have a mechanism to grab, move, uh, move things as you're as you're handling the instruments. Um, and then uh, robotics, it's still the surgeon performing the operation, uh, manipulating the instruments. The visualization is three-dimensional, high-definition. So, uh, you know, just think of uh, looking at your television set. You know, it's a three-dimensional, um, you know, image when you're creating the movie or whatever you're watching. But yeah. you, you're looking at a 2D tel- television. But, I mean, there are 3D televisions and so forth. But it but it really enlightens the, the whole uh, visualization of things. So the depth perception um, is uh, is much more improved. So it translates at the end of the day, less bleeding, less trauma to tissue, faster recovery uh, for the patient, uh, and then less postoperative pain. And let's make it very clear to the audience, because we like to define exactly what we're talking about here. You know, when we talk robotic surgery, it's not like you have a robot handling the tools. Uh, it happens to be the tool itself that helps uh, <laughs> doctors like uh, like uh, Augustino Savone, you know, do their job. You know, this is this is this this new day and age type tech, right, Tom? Yeah, yeah. No, it, I mean, just like I, I talked about the visualization and the instrumentation. Um, it's as if you have your hands in there, and it and it, it is the surgeon operating with the instruments. Um, as much as uh, at the bedside, the patient is on an operating table, uh, and just like with laparoscopic surgery or minimally invasive surgery, there are yeah. tubes placed in the abdomen, and then instruments slide through those through those tubes, and that's how we kind of manipulate the tissues on the inside. So there's a robot console that has the arms linked to it, uh, and then uh, hardwired in the room is where the surgeon sits uh, behind a console where there are you know joysticks, so to speak. And a visor that we look into in, in terms of performing the operation. So we're yeah. there. Uh, we have a bedside person. The anesthesiologist is there, nursing in the room. So everybody's there as a team, taking care of the patient. No doubt, uh, it's it's good stuff. Uh, listen, I remember getting in in the morning, leaving at two thirty in the afternoon. My surgery, I think, was an hour and forty five minutes. I think because he had that second hall to repair. But uh, you know, the job was done properly. They told me at a 95% rate that I would be fine uh, and never having to go back. Small chance, but I feel pretty good to this day, almost four years in. Um, people who want to find out a little bit more, uh, Dr. Savone, a website, any information they could find regarding, you know, just general surgery, uh, you know, overall. Where, where would they go? Sure. So, yeah, so pbmchealth.org. Um, uh, you can look up my name. You can look up just uh, the hospital in general. Try to figure things out. And so, but that'll kind of uh, link you to uh, to to the office and uh, to me as well as other surgeons and other docs and healthcare providers at uh, Conic Bay Medical Center. So pbmchealth.org. And there you go. Very important website. Chock full of information. And everything uh, you you know you'd want to know, and especially with Doctor Bone. Now you're you're doing this a long time. Is this something that you aspired to way back, Doc? So you know you you spoke about hiatal hernias earlier, and it was the yeah. hiatal hernia procedure that really kind of uh, I saw the benefit in uh, starting out doing this because I was doing it all laparoscopically, and patients would always do well with any any mode like that. 
Um, and then the hiatal hernia involves a lot more sewing, and so the robot uh, really facilitated that that process of it. Uh, and then that's that's been since 2011. Um, so I've been doing this for a time. I I, I think so far my last count, like uh, I think 1,990 cases or so uh, robotically. Um, so I'm uh, uh, I don't know where I am on the list of uh, looking at a tally of surgeons on Long Island, but uh, probably the top three anyway. Would you say number? Yeah, uh, are there hernia surgeries performed on a daily basis? Oh yeah, oh yes. Yeah, I mean a lot of and a lot of what I've also gotten involved in is these great big abdominal wall uh, reconstructions where people have had hernia repairs that have failed and then they really are at a loss. You know, you think of a volleyball sticking out of your belly um, and then uh, and then kind of repairing that so that uh, it's all back together again. That's that's what I that's what I kind of uh, developed into uh, really with robotics that has really transformed how patients recover after that. So. Interesting. Listen, I can't thank you enough. It's great having you. When I saw your name on the list, I said, you know what? It is always good to uh, reconnect uh, with the great Savone. Uh, Dr. Agostino Savone, ladies and gentlemen, general surgeon uh, over at the uh, Peconic Bay Medical Center. And he uh, does a job and a half uh, as far as everything abdominal, especially in the hernia uh, selection process there. Uh, great seeing you, my friend. Great having you, actually. Same here. One day you'll be in studio. Uh, I but know. <laughs> uh, it's uh, enjoy. We can't thank you enough. And uh, we'll talk soon. How's that? Thank you. Good. Take care. You got it. Nobody better than Dr. Agostino Savone, I'll tell you that much. As uh, medical experts, we'll do it again next Saturday, uh, ladies and gents. Uh, stay well, stay safe. More importantly, stay healthy. We'll see you then. The views and opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of this station, JVC Broadcasting Management, or its sponsors.